It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. And yours truly, Dennis Bernstein. You are listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We are in Los Angeles. You probably know that guy, Greg Pallast. Uh, he's been investigating voter suppression since 2000. That's when we picked it up with Greg Pallast, who was uh, pointing out that it was the Democrats who won the election, but nobody seemed to be interested. He's been doing that kind of work ever since. He's done it for Democracy Now! on this network, the Guardian, Rolling Stone, and we are happy to continue the tradition. And uh, the Election Crimes Bulletin is more important, uh, more timely than ever, Greg Pallast. Uh, welcome back. Uh, let's start, uh, shall we say, with these um, attempts to create alternative voter slates and steal the election. Where are we? Okay, well, what we are is in the middle, you can smell the mendacity and the subpoenas that go with it. I, By the way, I'd like to welcome my fellow Angelinos. This is Greg Pallast, and you're listening to the inaugural show of Flashpoints, which has been on Pacifica stations for like three decades now. And finally, here in Los Angeles at KPFK 90.7, and obviously uh, hello to my old friends at KPFA, and our um, and our affiliate stations. Uh, for those who don't know Greg Palace, you hear me a lot on. I'm a regular on Democracy Now and and KPFK's uh, Reality Check with uh, Carrie Harrison. And I've been doing years of special reports for uh, flashpoints from Ecuador, from the Congo, and also from deepest, darkest Texas and Georgia, where we report on the ground. And including some of the shenanigans here in uh, the City of the Angels with elections. But right now, this week, really important, Dennis, is that the, um, the uh, January 6th committee has subpoenaed 14 GOP operatives from seven states to ask them who is behind their very strange and very dangerous attempt to overturn the election of January 6th by providing seven sets of phony electors. Now, what are electors? Those are the people who actually vote for President of the United States. Look high and low in the Constitution, Dennis Bernstein, and you will not find the right to vote in our Constitution. Rather, the president is picked by, as we know, the electors in the Electoral College. But there's also an alternative way of picking presidents. And it's not by some guy in a weird fur outfit with horns on his head. Something far more dangerous, which is using the, the 12th Amendment. Let me explain. So what happened was, uh, on January 6th, um, Vice President Pence received seven slates of electors, but not the electors who were voted by the people of the states. These were from... Georgia and Arizona and Michigan and Pennsylvania um, and other states. It was not the people, it was not the electors for Joe Biden who had won those states, who had won Georgia and Pennsylvania and Arizona and Michigan and Wisconsin. Rather, it was a bunch of GOP operatives. And they were the alternatives to provide their electoral college votes. And they had their own little electoral kind of private electoral college meetings. And they elected Donald Trump as uh, for their states, which would make him president of the United States. Now, you might think, well, this is like nutso. 
I can't just get a bunch of people together in a room and say, well, I think we'll have Trump again or, um, you know, or, or maybe a Dennis Bernstein. Who knows? Um, it's not a joke because under the 12th Amendment to the Constitution, which I know many of you can recite by heart, but in case you can't, it's what happens when there are not enough electors to become president. You have to win 270 electoral college votes. So what these characters have done is they provided a alternative list of electors. If those electors were accepted over the ones that were submitted by the states themselves, then uh, therefore uh, Trump would have been reelected. Now they want to know who was behind this scheme, and maybe some, you know, because it's a fraud upon the government. This looks like a crime, but. Who is behind this scheme is what Benny Thompson, the chairman of the January 6th committee, wants to know. And I'm going to give uh, Chairman Thompson, I'm going to give you a hint. His initials are Donald Trump. This went straight to the Oval Office. There was a memo provided to Donald Trump uh, in, uh, at the, the first week of January by a lawyer named John Eastman. And it said, you know, Mr. President... Uh, you don't have to leave the Oval Office if you read the 12th Amendment. It says if there are alternative slates, competing slates, for the Electoral College, it's up to the vice president to decide which slate he's going to accept. So they hauled in Mike Pence and said, you're going to accept these seven slates. And Pence said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I mean, whatever you think of Mike Pence, he kind of saved our democracy. But beyond that, you might consider this a goofy move that means nothing. And it didn't mean much in 2020. They hadn't really prepared things. What I'm concerned with, and what should really scare people, is 2024. Because this could happen again, and they'll be more prepared this time. The trick of the 12th Amendment, and here's where it gets a little complex, is that if there are disputes, they wanted Pence or anyone else to declare that there are disputed slates. In other words, there's the Biden slate and there's the Trump slate from Georgia. And they were telling Pence, you don't actually have to choose the Trump slate. Just say there's a dispute and um, it's up to Congress to choose which slate should be, you know, should uh, represent that state and choose our president. And... Um, so, uh, but uh, Pence did not even want to say that it was in dispute. Here's the problem. If he had declared a dispute in seven states, there would not have been enough electoral votes to elect anyone president. At which case, the 12th Amendment says it's the members of the House of Representatives. It's Congress which chooses the president. Now you'd say, well, hey, Nancy Pelosi picks the president, right? The Democrats in majority. No, no, no. And here's what's sick and dangerous in our own Constitution. It's one state, one vote. California gets the same single electoral vote as Wyoming. New York gets the same vote as West Virginia. If we went to the 12th Amendment, given that the Republicans have a clear majority of congressional delegations, Donald Trump would have been reelected. And while it seems far-fetched for 2020 because they hadn't really prepared the ground and they could not get Mike Pence on side, get ready for 2024. 
because if they pull this again and Republicans have strong control of the Senate and House, um, it's going to be hard to avoid a 12th Amendment election, one state, one vote, and then it's a Republican election, period. And, you know, it's not what I'm for against Republicans. It's just that I think that the voters, not the phony electors, should choose the president. Now, we're watching this coup. It's sort of like a, it's becoming a slow motion coup because you have the, the former president of the United States promising pardons again for the insurrectionists. Um, the, you, everybody knows that Donald Trump said we're going to march down there and I hope Mike Pence did the right thing but I don't think he didn't if he didn't I don't really like him very much and then people show up there uh, with gallows unfortunately Greg there seems to be a problem we have a weak need attorney general who is uh, no one knows where he's hiding he's not he's sort of okay he'll like get into this uh, electric with alternative electors he's doing a little investigation to that but he's not really doing much and if he waits long enough we'll have a republican senate a republican house and we'll have a president by the name of uh, Donald Trump. Are you are you con- are you concerned? And and in the middle of this, uh, all these right wingers are promising more violence. I mean, it's not just a a, a legal uh, situation that's problematic. We're facing a lot of potential violence in this country. Well, Dennis Bernstein, uh, that's absolutely certain. Because remember the plan. Part of the reason why uh, Trump seemed to allow the riot to roll on is that January 6th is the date set in the Constitution for affirming the Electoral College vote and reading off the electors, the votes of the electors from each state. The idea was to hope that you would keep the riot going till till past midnight on January 6th, and then you'd almost certainly end up with that 12th Amendment election. I know it sounds far-fetched, but this was the plan in the White House. This was laid out by Trump's lawyer, John Eastman. It's in a two-page memo. Uh, I had warned about this on the election crimes bulletin, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, two years ago. And I think it's coming again. The uh, luckily, um, because Pence stood up, he also did something. He froze the clock in the uh, congressional chambers so that technically it wasn't January 7th when they finally affirmed the uh, the electors. It was uh, by law January 6th temporarily. I kid you not. And that's how close we came literally by clock hands from having a coup d'etat in this nation. But it's being planned again. And, and so I'm very, very concerned about um, the fact that our Justice Department has been slow off the off the mark on this. They are finally saying that they're going to investigate these electors. My God, they've had more than a year. And, is you know, we do have federal laws against interference in federal elections. It's a felony crime, a conspiracy to overturn an election. This is not a – if it's legitimate dispute about voting. And we've had this before in the United States. We've had several disputed elections. In fact, the, uh, you know, in 1824, we're talking about, we did have a 12th Amendment, uh, vote and election. We've had, but this is not a dispute. This is, this is, uh, fake generated 
list of electors chosen by a small self-appointed group. And if they got Congress to agree that there was either adopt that slate or to say that there's a dispute in 2024, remember this time in 2020, they had a lot of con- uh, Congress people who were re- Republicans saying, I'm not going along with this. Most of those have been primaried and eliminated or will be eliminated by 2024. So this is a That's real right. serious business. And I would like to see Merrick Garland, our attorney general, take a look. I mean, he's got to Why is it that the committee is subpoenaing these people? They have no prosecutorial power. The United States Justice Department, which, you know, for those who know Greg Palace, know me. I used to work for the Justice Department. We used to investigate and cuff people for this stuff. It's against the law. And I'd like to see the Justice Department not be politically squeamish, go after lawbreakers, whether they're bank robbers or electoral college robbers. That's story one for tonight. You're listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio with Greg Palast. Uh, we do this special bulletin. We've been doing it really formally since uh, 2016, uh, and we keep an eye. We do our best to keep an eye with Greg Palast on what's happening with your vote, with your right to vote. Uh, and, of course... Uh, we on this show with you, Greg, have been reporting about violence, the kind of violence that we saw in Washington, D.C. That that didn't start there. Uh, no. We saw Charlottesville. We we saw that violence erupt in Atlanta. The The story that was most concerning to us at that time is that how the, the extreme right wing of the Republican Party was now on the payroll of the, the mainstream Republicans. So we, we saw this party turn right and start screaming and setting fires. Well, one, one thing that, uh, that we reported on on the Election Crimes Bulletin and then later for Democracy Now! is that Ali Alexander, one of, the, one of the major instigators of the January 6th riot, was actually in Atlanta a few days before on the payroll of the Republican National Committee Senatorial Campaign Committee and the Georgia Republican Party, he was out in front of one of the state buildings saying, unless they make Donald, give the electors to Donald Trump, again, this is part of the the, the Eastman scheme, the 12th Amendment scheme, unless you give the electors to Donald Trump, we're going to light this S on fire. And so he was already announcing the violence. This is a week before the January 6th attack. And once again, we had no response to stop this, or even finally he was hauled before the committee. We don't know because his uh, Ali Alexander's testimony was done in private. Well, anyway, but I'm glad that we now have, and again, uh, this is Greg Palace in Los Angeles welcoming my fellow Angelinos at, from uh, uh, listening at 90.7 KPFK on your dial, and of course my old friends at KPFA in the Bay Area. And we'll continue with these reports, these election crimes bulletin. There can't be anything more important at this time. It's investigative reporting. It's, it's the reports you will not hear on the petroleum broadcast system. It's the reports you won't hear on CNN or others. They are, they wait until the committee subpoena or the Justice Department acts. We're going to tell you before they act. 
And, the, and I'm Greg, so Greg, glad let me jump in here in before we run out of time. Sorry to interrupt you, Greg. Let me before we run out of time. Uh, let's just spend the last minute or two talking about whether Stacey, Ab- Stacey Abrams really has a chance. Uh, she well, was cheated out of. of yeah. She's running for for governor. She was cheated out of the the election. Many people believe on the last round. How, what is the current chances that she will have a, a fair shot at being elected the first black governor? Well, uh, that's the real question. It's not whether Stacey Abrams should be governor. It's whether the elect the the voters of Georgia will make that decision, or their new Jim Crow law, SB 202, which was just passed last year. And we've reported on that, and there's the new danger that's come out. We've had both in Texas and Georgia, and we're going to see this spread to other states. One of the first things we're seeing is that requests for mail-in ballots are being rejected by the hundreds of thousands, I kid you not, in Texas, for example, where Beto O'Rourke is running for governor against the, the, the current uh, uh, Republican Greg Abbott, um, you have um, new requirements to just get your ballot. This is, I remember, I travel all over the world. I report from all over the world. This is stunning to people that you have to jump through hoops just to get your ballot. So to get a mail-in ballot in Texas or in Georgia, you now have to provide all kinds of ID with your request, and it has to be verified by the state, for example, your driver's license numbers, but the state does not necessarily have all that information and in texas the state's simply holding up giving out the information to the counties so for example uh uh travis uh, county which is austin which is the number one democratic center um, um democratic stronghold in texas half of the ballots requests have been rejected in georgia a 95 year old african-american veteran was denied the right to a, a, a mail-in ballot because he didn't jump through some hoop or the state couldn't confirm the last four numbers of his Social Security number. These are the crazy things. And when I say, and in, in Austin, half of the requests have been denied for mail-in ballots. In Dallas, it's 70% have been denied their right. You've, and you've got the, the same problems in Houston, San Antonio. It's overwhelmingly the rejections due to state resistance, are coming from, are in the urban Democratic areas, which are also heavily Hispanic, and in Georgia, heavily African-American counties are having to reject these requests to just get your ballot. And then, by the way, Dennis, we're going to do a special investigation report from on the ground in Texas and Georgia about one of the most dangerous things, is that after you mail in your ballot, if you can get your ballot, they reject them by the tens of thousands. This is serious enough, business. Georgia enough. was won by right. uh, Biden by 12,000 votes. That's all. Well, we'll be honest. That's Greg Palast. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. It's a part of our election crimes bulletin with Greg every week.